super chilled morning. Um, I woke up at 3 a.m. because I have jet lag and then spent four day, four hours on the internet just uh, wasting time. Mm-hmm. And then we, well, the woman that I'm staying with at the Airbnb, she's really wonderful. But she's one of these kind of crazy, eccentric L.A women which obviously you will know about mm-hmm. um who there's no one else like them there's no there's no other place on earth that i've ever encountered where there is this like particular little pocket of like genius like absolute brilliant genius women specifically that are so obsessed and, and passionate about like whatever it is that they're obsessed and passionate about so she's a comic mm-hmm. so she's trying to break into the la comic scene okay which is apparently a really really difficult thing to do seems like it yeah, yeah. um <laughs> i mean I, I i don't know um and so but she's she's in her like late 60s i would say what yeah oh i love this i know i love this too her. like i she's amazing she had like this long career as um as an actor in commercials just doing commercials but very successful career and now she's trying to be a comic yeah i my morning was was basically just having a quick coffee with her and then and then i went straight to med men Mm -hmm. oh perfect you've got to do it yeah uh ladies and gentlemen you're listening to babe and I'm your host, Laura Marie Shane Halls. And with me today is Dr. Kate Thomas, PhD. Did I do that right? You did. I okay. mean, everyone introduces me here as Dr. Kate, which is so cringe. But Dr. I, I Kate mean, I love Thomas. It. Yeah. <laughs> the PhD, I think, is the most important think, cherry on top. Right. Um, you are a lot of things. Do you want to say what you are? Or I can say... I mean, I, I feel like what I am is this complexly changing, like I have this career identity crisis every year. So Mm -hmm. I would love to hear what you (laughs) from my knowledge and experience with you. I would say that you are a business consultant slash psychic slash witch. Yes. Does that cover it? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I think, um, I would add, that I work specifically with women to help them step into their power and and claim their money. Like mm-hmm. I'm really focused on on that power and money. Those are my two favorite things, and I want more women or really more people that are not cis men specifically, yeah, um, to be able to access the resources of power and money because when they do, every everyone benefits. Mm-hmm. That's proven. That like when m- women have more money, they actually devote more or donate more money to charities. They give back to other people. Right. It's not, it's less of a hoarding money yeah. situation Absolutely. than yeah. men. Yeah. The whole community benefits. Absolutely everyone. And also it's nice to have nice things, right? It's the best to have <laughs> nice things. I love a nice thing. I like to live nice like when I feel, and also when I feel like I have money or feel financially solvent and stable, that allows me to tap into my creativity way easier than when I'm like broke down and out, stressed out about where the next like meal is going to come from. Right. Because it's so exhausting. Being poor is so exhausting. And I speak from long experience. Most of my life I was like not, I mean, most of my life I was actually very, very poor. I mean, it kind of went, you know, peaks and troughs Mm -hmm. as it does for most people, but there are certainly points where I was, you know, I didn't have money to feed myself. I was, it was, it was bad. Um, and you're just in survival mode. You're just in survival mode constantly. And you can't, where is the space to actually show up in the world for anyone else if you're just looking at, you know, 
basic basic survival mm-hmm. so and scraping by scraping by is miserable but even you know it's such a psychological energy game it's not really even necessarily correlate you know it doesn't really necessarily correlate with how much you've got in the bank this is the thing that i that i realized working with some of the richest women in the world we're doing the same work right it's it's almost like the issue is that as women or as people that are not brought up as cis men, we are not taught to feel entitled to money. So even with, you know, some of my clients will earn, I don't know, $10 million for, for, for a movie, they will still feel like they're scraping by, not because they don't think that's a lot of money, but because there is always this fear that it's not theirs, that it's not safe, that they still have to be constantly looking for like the next way to feel safe or the next job to do or and I think this ultimately comes down to entitlement. Like we as women are not, we're not taught to be entitled to money. Mm-hmm. And we are, we are entitled to money. Where did you grow up? I grew up in all over the place. I was born in Brighton in England. Mm-hmm. And then I grew up, spent most of my childhood in Southeast Asia. So my parents, um, my father was in the oil industry. And there was some, you know, like every family, there's major drama and my mother plucked us out of school, my brother and I, when I was very young and moved us over to Brunei in Southeast Asia. Wow. Because my dad was having an affair, had a whole other family, in fact. A secret family. A secret family. Oh, my God. Like, this is really common. Yeah. <laughs> Especially amongst, like, expats and, um, you know, I think men that work abroad. And, I mean, this is the late 70s, early 80s, so... It's much more difficult to have a secret family now with the internet. We didn't even, I remember like making international phone calls was this big deal. So, you know, um, my mom found out about it and then plucked us out of school one day. And the next day we were living in Southeast Asia. That's wild. Why Southeast Asia? That's where he was. So in Brunei, there's like, it's a, it's a oil, big oil producing country. It's a tiny country, but they produce a lot of oil. So that's where his job was. So yeah, so I grew up um, from the age of seven to 11 in in Brunei, which was, yeah, kind of a very unusual mm-hmm. childhood in lots of ways. But gave it like a lot of culture and texture, I'm sure that you wouldn't get anywhere else. I think that's true. And also my, you know, my, I mean, everyone's family is weird, but my, my dad was in the SAS and he's like, I don't know if you know what that is in America and what the, the other... It's like the special services, like okay. like the Marines. But, like Marines, kind of. Right, but like um, anti-terrorist special operations, um, like the sort of... Like CIA, kind of? More on the ground, like elite fighting jungle. You know, anyway, he. I mean, he wasn't mentally healthy, put it that way. I don't think anyone can be that does that job. Um, but he was really obsessed with jungle survival. And we were in this tropical country, so... Every weekend we would go into the jungle and he would teach me survival skills. I mean, it's not, it wasn't, I wouldn't think it was like the most appropriate or safe thing to do with an eight year old. But mm-hmm. well, mean, beyond just like making a fire oh, and like yeah. building a shelter, uh-huh. would he be like, okay, go kill an animal and we'll skin it and eat it? Um, I refuse to do that. But yeah, that was, I mean, absolutely. That's what he would have. He was like trying to do like just naked and afraid without the naked part. <laughs> yeah exactly you for getting your like tsr rating up and then and then um you know he would be like 
if you need, you know, sort of giving you, giving me um, information, like if you need to kill a man, this is how, this is the most efficient way of doing it. What was the most efficient way? A dental floss, apparently. You like a strangle need, with dental floss? Yeah, a strangle with dental floss, it does two things. It will cut, cut and, you know, strangle. Wow. And also dental floss, you see it's efficient because you can use dental floss for a lot of things. It's very, very strong fiber. Mm-hmm. See, this is the crazy shit that I know. I like that, but that's kind of empowering. Yeah, I guess A little it, bit I guess to just be like, like, well, now I know how to fully got kill floss someone. floss in my pocket. Mm-hmm. Don't fuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it was an unconventional childhood for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When did you come into your like powers? Because I think that that I always love to hear about that from people that are in touch with like the other side or have like a mystical element to their career. Right. Yeah. So for me, this question of, you know, I mean, I didn't really realize that my way of engaging with the world was unusual Mm -hmm. until I was about 16 or 17. But I had, of course, since I was, can remember had encountered you know i it's kind of like if you can see a particular color and other people can't see it you don't realize that other people can't see it mm-hmm. um until you know you're trying to point it out and they're like i don't see that and so now looking back realizing that you know i have particular abilities that other people don't i can i can see i can remember like having conversations with spirit guides or or what i would consider to be spirit guides now um when i was very young but yeah it wasn't until i was 16 that i realized oh there's something here which is other people have and it has a name and there are ways of refining and managing these abilities um which is you know it, it it was really important for me to 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 know that to find that out because my life was being dominated in a really bad way by what I could experience and what I was encountering. And I just was bombarded by information in a really destructive, unhelpful way, really. Mm-hmm. Like just la- like loudness everywhere? Or how can you describe, how do you describe yeah, it? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I suppose the best way, you know what it's like to have really bad anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. You're on like hyper- vigilant alert high alert all the time and it's like that i mean i have i mean who who the hell doesn't have anxiety but like you know i have anxiety disorder but this this is it's almost like anxiety on steroids so you are so hyper aware of everything but you can actually focus on something and pick up extra information but when you're working walking through the world just going through the world before i learned to manage this i would be conscious and hyper aware and sensitive to to my surroundings all the time but then I would get specific information just like thrown at me it felt like like I was hit with it mm-hmm. about individuals so it always focus on people and there would be people I didn't know you know people just 
in the in the coffee shop that I was in or walking down the street. Whoa. Um, and it and you'd was, get information about yeah, them like and this, their lives. I mean, some, it's so banal. Like, it's not like it was pe- meaningful particularly. It was extremely dull things. Um, like, I remember vividly, like, this one person just knowing that, you know, this woman's having an argument with her brother, for example. Like, I don't care about this. She mm-hmm. probably doesn't give a single shit about this. And so a lot of it was just like that. But then um, it became more problematic for me when I would, I mean, this is when I was, maybe 18, 17, 18. Um, and I was in the relationship with my first, what ended up being my first marriage. Um, and we were in the pub and there was a guy sat opposite us at the bar. And I just knew that he was very sick and that he didn't know that he was very sick and that, and I was shown his kidneys. I mean, you know, it was, it was just, what was most distressing about that is what do you do with that? What's your responsibility with that? And I had no structure. I had no religious or spiritual guidance or teachers or like no one that I could take this to, to ask like, what, what, what's my responsibility in this situation? And what is this about? What's the meaning of it? And so it just freaked me out. I didn't want to know. I mean, I, I, you know, I still don't want to know 90% of the stuff that I know, like, mm-hmm. this, unless I'm being paid. I don't, I don't, you know, no pay, no play is really my, 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 <laughs> my motto because yeah, it's, it's like, it actually has nothing to do with me. And now, of course, so many years later and after teaching, you know, probably in, in the hundreds of, of, of other women, how to navigate and manage this work i mean my position is very clear like we have no responsibility when you have that knowledge it's not your responsibility to do anything with it it's your responsibility to manage your ability to select to get the information and to set boundaries with your guides Mm -hmm. that's your responsibility and how do you do that is it meditation and yeah so i think setting boundaries with one's spirit guides is one of the most important things that that anyone um that's that anyone needs to do we all have spirit guides Mm -hmm. and therefore we should all set boundaries with them um and what are spirit guides like like i can't like they're obviously not necessarily able to be seen by the naked eye but they're just kind of like energy that's around us yeah who are they what are they it depends on your i mean i as a as someone that's spent so many years in academic philosophy i'm like Okay, so there are different definitions. You know, I don't want to be a... a They're know. not all one thing. It's yeah. like species. Like. Yeah, and also I think it's about... It's like one needs to pick a, a cosmology, a way of understanding the universe that works for you. Because mm-hmm. I don't think that there is one single, you know, um, way of, 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 of understanding how things work. I think that's kind of the only rule about how things work is that there's not one single way that it works. Yeah. And so for me... Um, my, the, the spiritual tradition that I was, that I found the most connection to and the most use out of is, um, called theosophy. I don't know if you've come across that. It's like a, you know, a, a, a spiritual practice. It's not really a practice. It's a school of thought that was developed in the 19th century in New York, um, based upon ancient Tibetan teachings. And, um, the, uh, the, the founder of theosophy is called Madame Blavatsky. She's kind of famous esotericist. And she, she was, you know, multiply problematic in all the ways that anyone that's in the 19th century was, but was a genius. And she had access, 
um, to all these texts. And she um, basically created a model of understanding how the universe worked that made some sense of the experiences she were having, she was having, um, which was similar to my experiences from what I can garner, you know, experiencing, getting information, feeling that there are individual or at least individuated guides. So rather than there just being this sort of amorphous sense of, you know, God or a higher power that, 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 manifested as individuals somehow mm-hmm. that were giving her information and so she she the 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 structure of or the understanding of what spirit guides are and how they work under theosophy is that they're really sort of beings that have lived multiple human lives and they just haven't incarnated this time. They've stayed up in spirit world to assist us. So each of us would have, according to this model, a team of spirit guides that we've had since we were born that we know. Mm-hmm. And we forget everything when we're, when we're born. Or maybe we remember when we we're a tiny baby, but as we grow up. But from like you're so in the spirit of like reincarnation from right. any past lives, you forget as yes. soon as you're born into right. this That's current life. That's the thought. Or that you, you can't forget consciously like a large amount of it, but you still have in your arsenal like various experiences that you've had. Mm-hmm. And Does the, that relate at all to like Akashic records? Yeah. So the, the Akashic records are, I mean, in the Indian tradition and, and, um, I mean, I don't think that that's connected to the Tibetan tradition, but I don't know enough about it. I don't think that it's the same. But or yeah. like the idea of past lives, or if you do past life work with a yes. different psychic or clairvoyant, right. then they can tell you like, "Oh, you once I see you doing this," right, and right, so right. that's kind of all related the to the past life exactly. that you're okay. Yeah, and it all kind of is. Is it always pattern related? Like you kind of repeat of the same things over and over until you learn them or that seems to make sense to me I mean I'm always I think again you know this is my academic training coming through which is not necessarily a good thing I'm always so conscious as soon as anyone seems to like claim that they know exactly how this shit works Mm -hmm. there's a massive red flag for me because like none of us know what the fuck's happening right like um but but it's a a case of sort of finding a model that makes sense that sort of gives you some structure in order to make decisions and choices and for me that model is i really i feel i find a lot of comfort in this idea of spirit guides that there are beings and and people that want the best for us right Mm -hmm. that really have our best interests at heart and can give us information they can answer questions they can push us in certain directions and they are all the time and the the skill to creating or rather the key to creating a life that you really want that's you know the, the the key to manifestation of anything is to have a really good relationship with your guides so that you can understand what it is that they're saying because these guys know so much more than we do Mm -hmm. and there's so much more i mean it's not about intelligence it's just about wisdom and like having a bigger picture and all seeing because they're not living in the same like realm about the shit that we care about right like yeah precisely like we get so 
especially those of us with mental health problems. I mean, my God, I, I can spend, I mean, I can spend two hours on an app, like searching for, you know. Yeah. We can get so bogged down in stuff that's so deeply unimportant. Bogged down, but then also I think the idea of consumerism is something that you just don't deal with when you're a spirit guide. Right. Because you don't need true. anything. You don't need to buy anything and like you're not trading in sort of like money and finance anymore because you already have everything. I think it's interesting though because in my experience they they're not disinterested in money but money becomes a really important money is energy right it flows in and out right and also it is like the universal um what's the word like conduit of value like there's nothing else that that is um you know the same you know that that can be there's no way of expressing value like money. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes actually really important that although, you know, materialism and capitalism, the structure that we're under currently is, you know, majorly distracting, let's say to a lot, to a lot of like what one might imagine to be spiritual goals. It's a problem, I think, to think that that means that money itself is is bad or wrong or tied up with it right yeah like money is just a conduit for power and energy and it depends you know like like any sort of power it depends where you take it it's not the thing itself that's bad or good it's like what you do with it that's good or bad um and so in my experience people's spirit guides are often like really concerned with their attitude to money mm -hmm. because money is where you get your capacity to choose right if you have like infinite money and you have a good relationship with that money, that's a really important thing, then you're you're pretty free, actually. If you don't have either of those things, either if you're extremely poor and you're scraping around, as we discussed, or you might have infinite money or a shit ton of money, but no healthy relationship with it. So you feel like it's controlling you or you're terrified of losing it or whatever, then you're you're trapped. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny to me how often in 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 psychic readings that I give people's spirit guides turn up telling them to pay attention to their relationship with money, like sort this shit out because your relationship with money is really your relationship with yourself and your sense of value and your self-esteem and what you think you're entitled to in terms of receiving anything. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it for me in my experiences have been, my relationship with money is based on what I was modeled from my parents and growing up like establishing certain ideas about money. And then the more I even learn about my parents' relationship with money, I can recognize like that I've repeated like many of the same mistakes right. as like my parents and which is fascinating uh -huh. and also scary. It's depressing then, as hell, right? It's depressing, but then it also is empowering if you can recognize like, okay, if you recognize a pattern, then you're able to break the pattern. Right. But yeah, so what what are the various like relationships for people listening? Like, are there kind of like the core relationship types with money that you deal with, like a certain handful of the same things that has come over and over? Right. So there's um, what are called the money archetypes, which is basically based upon the Jungian concept of archetypes. You know, we have like these um, various manifestations i guess of human behavior that we tend to fall in and we move in and out of depending on our situation and circumstances um, and there are money versions of that 
Uh, there's a really great book, in fact. So I, I work with, um, I mean, I work with all sorts of people, but one of the people that I've sent a lot of my clients to um, is an amazing money coach. His name's Garrett Philbin, and he he's majorly helped me, but he introduced me to this concept of money archetypes. And a, a couple of examples of that, um, a, a classic money archetype is the fool, right? And, and it's no coincidence that these archetypes are connected also to the, to the tarot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have the fool in the tarot and the fool as a money archetype is really someone that's like not responsible at all. Doesn't, is not worried about money. Doesn't really care about it. Doesn't think very much about it. will just like go out and blow $500 on whatever they want because they'll be like, Oh, it'll come. It will go. You know, it's this sort of light, airy, very ungrounded, totally irresponsible energy. Another money archetype that I see a lot of, um, is the tyrant. So the sort of total opposite of that. And often one person will, flip between those two experiences the tyrant is the opposite you know like being really really tight obsessed with money knowing exactly how much they have or don't have it's not doesn't correlate with anyone's financial situation interestingly Mm -hmm. um and you know very controlling around money with other people so these are the sort you it's once you like anything once you learn about and you have an understanding of the, the ways in which, which people often show up around money, then you start seeing it everywhere and it becomes really notable. Um, but it's, it's kind of interesting because for the biggest, the biggest thing that I've noticed over the years that I've been working, um, and certainly over these last five years, as my focus has been more on empowering women and teaching women how to step into their power it's such an overused phrase step into your power but like there's no other phrase that's quite as specific is that as i say it doesn't matter if you have if you're earning you know twenty thousand dollars a year or you're earning 20 million dollars a year you can be struggling with the same shit it Mm -hmm. will just manifest in slightly different ways or maybe exactly in the same way Mm -hmm. um which you know just says to me that it's really money is just a conduit for energy. And if you have particular narratives running, particular beliefs about yourself, your worthiness, your entitlement, what it means to have money, whether it's safe for you to have money or not, whether you deserve to have it or not, it that, that will turn up, that shit will show up for you, whether you're rich or poor, but it will also run the show. And so it's so important to to work out how what those narratives are and then actively dismantle them and change them so that you can have a very healthy relationship with money. Mm-hmm. And how do you recommend doing that? So my whole, I have a, a very, I mean, straightforward, I guess, three-step process, mm-hmm. which is the first step, the first stage. And I think it's not, it doesn't just help with money stuff. This helps with everything. I mean, to me, I... I, nothing, you can't, one can't really separate out one part of life and, and think of it discreetly uh, without it impacting everything else. So money is the same, you know, money may be, I think, one of the most central and important areas of life that women particularly need to, to talk about and work on. But when you work on that, everything else shifts as well. So, um, the three stages that I, that I, that I teach and that I, um, 
think are really important. One is establishing a relationship with your spirit guides. Like for me, everything that I do and every, all the work that I do is based on, um, maintaining a really healthy dialectical relationship with, with guides. And by dialectical, I mean, rather than just being open to receiving information, whatever form that is, it is possible to connect with your guides and establish a relationship where it's a dialogue where you can ask specific questions and get specific answers and it be a conversation you know like not something that you just you're just grateful to receive whatever and it's some random shit like that's no help yeah um and and a large part of establishing that sort of dialectical relationship is about establishing boundaries with your guides and boundaries with your guides are just you know like guys, I don't want to be woken up at 3am to be hearing about, you know, some guy down the road's dog. I don't care. Yeah. Tell me about me right. in between like normal business exactly. hours. Like this, I, I literally have business hours with my guides. Love. I absolutely have business hours. And it's, you know, like we have, I have three rules. One is I will, I only want to receive information if I'm being paid in a formalized reading setting. Okay. Then that's fine. I can receive and I will be open to anything yeah and are those your guides telling you about other people or are those other people's guides so it's both so it's other people in a reading um your spirit guides communicate with mine okay and so i have the relationship with my guides and then they they're the sort of medium i guess or the 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 channel for Mm -hmm. so then you are there it's kind of like a game of telephone yes exactly so they communicate with you yeah interesting this mother's day celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from blue nile whether it's for your mom a mother figure or yourself as a mom find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation explore blue nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So how does one, how do you like, how would I find my spirit guides? It's really easy. That's the first thing. I think that a lot of people, especially psychics, I mean, I spent, this is why I kind of, you know, made that joke at the beginning about like identity crisis. I mean, there is so much that's, that feels very difficult for me to identify as being a psychic for, for lots of reasons, most of which are my own, you know, bullshit. But, Mm -hmm. um, I still think that this, the being a psychic is a position of power. And I think that like most people that have power, there is a, a, a people don't want to give it up and so there's a lot in my industry or in the circle the circles professional circles that i'm in where people make this big deal like it's really a such a such a difficult thing you have to be really quote gifted or like blessed to be able to connect with spirit guides and that's just bullshit it's not true that's not to say that doing giving a really good reading is easy it's not and it's extremely hard work mm-hmm. and it requires you to be really intelligent actually it requires you to sort of take in all sorts of different information all at the same time metabolize it understand it and then communicate it in a way that that person will understand it's emotionally exhausting it's physically absolutely exhausting uh, all, all those things mean that 
you know, you, you will get a good reading or a bad reading depending on the experience and the quality. And I think the, um, the, the person that you're getting a reading from, like who they are in the world, how mm-hmm. much culture they engage with. I think it makes a difference, like what your library of resources are to pull from when you're trying to communicate the fine grained nature of information. If you, if you don't really haven't had much experience of the world yourself, you're going to have a hard job explaining to someone else the specificity of what their guides are trying to get at. So all of these things, you know, mean that it's difficult actually to find a, you know, really good reading. Yeah. It's kind of like being a writer where it's like anyone can write, but few people choose to then go on and be a writer. Yeah. And, and, and it is exact. I think that's a really good analogy because there are infinite books in the world that have been published and to get published is really hard. Mm -hmm. And yet there are a lot of really bad books that have been published, but in my opinion, they're bad, but some people really love them. So it's also about, you know, finding your genre and finding the the type of person that you vibe with, that you, you know, you need to respect your reader. You need to think of them as like an interesting and good person that you have a connection with at some level. Otherwise the reading's not going to be good. But in terms of the question, which is, you know, is how do you connect with your guides? Your guides are always trying to connect with you. So that's Mm -hmm. like a major win in terms of this um, goal of connecting with your guides. They're open. Oh my God. They're like most... They're ready to answer text messages. Exactly. (laughs) Every single person I've ever encountered or read for, like their guides are like, thank God I have time, you know, an opportunity to like tell this bitch stuff Mm -hmm. because often, you know, it's been 20 years of somebody just like pushing away information and not not hearing so your guys want to connect with you is the first thing um how to connect yeah i mean meditation it's so boring that this is the the way to do it it really is i'm really i hate anyone telling me to i know i truly have a running joke with myself which is like how many times can i be told to meditate in my life before i actually start doing it because it's like every i feel like Oh, God. that's all I mean, I've ever you, heard. How can you live in LA and not meditate? I'm ashamed. I'm I don't know. Just I'm just shocked. like so resistant to it. it. Yeah. It just is always, I'm just like, Ugh, again with yeah, the meditation. I know. I, know. I mean, that I feel is you. Like, I it's, tell other people to meditate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I li- my entire career is based upon teaching people to meditate. So mm-hmm. like, uh, and still, still, almost without exception, every day when I sit down to meditate, I'm like, fuck this. I'm not going to do it today. I don't want to do it. I don't yeah. wanna, like, I can't be bothered. What's the point? Like this narrative still runs. And I think probably for me, it always will. But, uh, you know, I, I guess to rephrase it or think of it in a different way or reframe it as like NLP people would say would might, might be helpful. So rather than thinking of it as meditation, just say, Okay, in order to connect with my guides, I'm going to create a dedicated time and space where I'm not thinking about anything else. And I'm just going to allow to for them to to give me whatever it is that they want to give me and to create that space and make that a priority with it. You know, and it can be five minutes. Like I'm not talking about like 45 minutes every morning. Like mm-hmm. who, who can do that? I mean, a lot of people probably here can do that. But um, I mean, who wants to do that? But but ultimately, how do you connect with your guides? You set a really clear intention. You start talking to them, um, and and then ultimately, you know, 
what I teach my students is that you need to set a dedicated time every morning. It's like making an appointment with anyone else. Like you would make an appointment to go to the dentist or to see your doctor. Like it's at a set time at a set place and you show up at that time in that place and then be open to receive whatever it is and then be open to receive whatever it is that you get. Because sometimes people expect communication from their guides to be like a, almost like an audible voice. And sometimes it is, maybe it is. But most of the time in my experience and with, with a lot of people that I've taught, it's not an audible voice. It's a memory mm. or it's a random thought or it's a color or it is, you know, a thought of a particular person that pops up. Like all of these ways that we can get information, your guides will use to communicate with you. And at first you won't know what the hell it means, right? And so you need to journal it, just write down everything and it will feel crazy. I mean, I remember when I first started doing this in a concerted, structured way, I just thought, you know, I just felt like I was mad well yeah and also the world will tell you that you're crazy yeah, like depending absolutely. on how you grew up and all that there's oh, yeah. all these kind of like misconceptions for sure yeah especially when you get into like religion and stuff so yeah. you kind of have to brush that aside yeah i think it's you know almost the best sort of self-care actually would be to you know just dedicate 10 minutes every morning or even if you did it once a week and you're like okay this is my this is my guide time mm-hmm. and i'm just going to you know, I, I mean, light nice candles. You could do it in the bath, like whatever, uh, and just have a dedicated time where you are going to allow. You know, it's not. I think meditation is problematic because I think what or the word meditation specifically around this is problematic because I think that a lot of people imagine that what it means to meditate is to clear your mind, like not allow any thoughts to come, and that's just such a it becomes tyrannical, you know, this fear of like, oh, fuck, there's a thought. And then, you you know, that thought of, oh, fuck, there's a thought is now another thought. And then Mm -hmm. you're beating yourself up about thinking about the fact that you've got a thought. And it's like, oh, my God, it becomes a hell. Whereas what I'm describing is not so much this, you know, um, extreme sort of dogmatic clarity, emptiness of mind, but instead just saying, okay, at this time and space, It's a dedicated space where I will be open to receive whatever comes and then allow those thoughts to to be present and to recognize them and acknowledge them. And the recognition and acknowledgement of information that you get is so important. You know, it's the same theory as like gratitude. You know, we're all supposed to be grateful for everything. But because when you're grateful about some, for something that is good and you are genuinely grateful for it, then it, it boosts the energy of that. So it's likely to happen again, right? It was just simply if someone gives you a gift, you say thank you, they're more likely to gift you again. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same with spirit guides and communication with your guides. You know, it, it, you need to, one needs to acknowledge the information that they're giving you, even if it feels like, the fuck has this got to do with anything yeah it doesn't make any sense um acknowledge it write it down and show up again when you say you're going to show up and eventually what will happen is you will develop a language with your guides where you 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 will know what they're saying to you and you can ask them questions and you can get response i mean this doesn't happen overnight i i I teach the program that I teach is three month program. Mm-hmm. But if you show up and you do what I say <laughs> every, every day and like without exception at the end of three months, you will have a relationship with your guides, no doubt. Mm-hmm. No and I imagine that. if you're doing that on your own and you look back through your notes that you're taking, you see some sort of 
similar information yeah. emerge or you're able to interpret it over right. time. Right. And and that's wild. Like I have notes from 20 years ago um, and I, I stumbled across this notebook of mine a couple, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And I, and I was, you know, a lot of it's just like, still makes no fucking sense at all. I've got no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but then parts of it, you know, wild, like I had a vision, a meditation or, or one of these sort of sessions, I guess, where I was trying to receive information from my guides. And it was a really detailed vision of giving a, a well, at the time I was working as a crystal healer. I mean, this is a long time ago mm-hmm. in, in, in Glastonbury. And uh, in this vision that I had, I was giving a crystal healing session to this extremely famous actor, who now is a client of mine, mm-hmm. but then was like, "Oh my god, this is this is like crazy. What, why? What is this about? You know?" But sort of eighteen years later, nineteen years later, like the almost to the same. Like the room was the same. The colored drapes were the same. Like the all of these real weird details that I'd written down. You know, like I can still see that vision happened eighteen years later. Wow. So it's wild how this shit can happen and ha- how it works. And so now I'm like, I will write everything down, like everything. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, now when I meditate, when I sit with my guide to connect up with my guides, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't even feel like it's a formalized thing for me. It's just part of my morning routine. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and it's become second nature. Yeah. And, and I have, because it's my work and and so I'm doing it most days all all the time I'm having these communications you know back and forth um they're kind of like colleagues I guess but colleagues I guess that you like yeah that aren't ever trying to like fuck you over or (laughs) get you fired or fuck you sabotage you yeah or fuck you or do anything bad they're just like the best colleagues ever I guess although sometimes it can be like can you just go away I don't you know yeah so that is the other thing is that it does it does feel often that there's you know not much one of the things that I've always struggled with with the nature of this work and it's not even the work like the nature of who I am in the world is I don't choose any of it like I did not want to do this it's not the case that I decided when I was 15 oh my god yeah this is the great career path I'm going to be like you know training celebrities how to you know read tarot cards or connect to their spirit guides like did I did I think that that would be something that I wanted to do like hell no I wanted to be a defense lawyer you know Mm -hmm. which obviously would not have been more fun yeah (laughs) that would have been significantly less fun yeah um but yeah I was I resent the fact that not always now but for a long time I had this like great resentment like this is what was happening for me not least of all because people give you so much shit for Mm -hmm. this job I mean at the stage now where I genuinely don't care what 99.9% of the people in the world think I mean I'm very selective about whose opinions I you know value but I mean I'm nearly 40 that's taken me almost all of my life to get to the point where I, I I can genuinely truly say like it doesn't bother me if someone has a problem with the idea of of my job but i mean still for 30 years that was you know it's nothing nothing appealing about you know having work that's very taboo yeah or fringe yeah 
I mean, people have extreme reactions. They're either like, I mean, it depends where you are in the world as well, of course. Mm -hmm. Like LA is very, I would imagine, (laughs) a friendly location. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's also like, everyone's a psychic here, right? They're like, oh my God, I have like five psychics. I I, I go from one to the other. Like, Mm -hmm. so you just want people, for me, it's like, I just want people to like, tell me what's wrong with me or what's wrong with my life. (laughs) And then it's like, I can't get that. When I don't get that from one place, then I'm like seeking it out. But then you never get that because- I don't think the good psychics are going to tell you, like, they're not going to shame you for, no, like, anything they that's shouldn't. going on. Yeah. I mean, or at least the things that are wrong with you and your life are the same things that are wrong with me and mine. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I think there are, there are universal struggles and blocks that those of us that have shared structural oppressions will, for example, will encounter. Yeah. And, and shared experiences of, you know, you know, being brought up a certain gender or in a particular cultural community and so yeah i mean i think people are search for answers where it's like suddenly you're gonna meet with a psychic or have a session where you're gonna get the aha like total answer to everything and like unlock the key and that has for me at least has not happened yet and you've had a session with me yeah i've had a session (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but i think I think also because there isn't this is the sad fucking reality about life is that there is no answer and there is no singular meaning. We have to constantly create those things. Mm-hmm. And and actually, you know, that is that's a drag. That's a major drag, but it's also what you know, what makes life worth living, etc. I mean, I speak as someone that you know, life life is hard, and and it is hard for most people. And I think that this quest for meaning is something that I come up against again and again with my clients. Like they want to know what should they. I mean, a common thing is what should I? What's my purpose? Right, mm-hmm. that question of like, what's my purpose? But I think it's such a wrong question. It, you know, nobody on this earth has one single purpose. And I think for women. Um, and it is very gendered. I think that it is the case that we are taught consciously and unconsciously that our purpose is to heal others, to help others, to support others, mm-hmm. you know, so it's almost like to nurture, to nurture, um, and, and to, and to be some sort of auxiliary to other people's greatness. And so, and by other people, it's, me- it's men. And most of the time, but also other women or like children or whatever, like that, this, this sense that our, purpose needs to be connected to helping and serving others it's an insidious belief that we are given really handed really early on and it can be really confusing when you are also like a good and kind person because you think but I do want to help people right I do want to assist people I mean I this is something that I feel very strongly none of my work would be of any interest to me whatsoever if I didn't feel that it was actively changing in a positive way, people's lives um, and helping them, you know, helping them to empower themselves, helping them to liberate themselves. But that doesn't mean that my purpose is to serve. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that we, you know, it's almost like it's the wrong question. What what my purpose is, the better (laughs) question, the better question is where can I find meaning and then you've just got to go out and make things meaningful. Yeah. Find what 
speaks to you the most and then just like dive yeah, into exactly. it and look into it exactly. as much as you can like, where do you feel pulled pulled towards and and life is like a zigzag for everyone right nobody has this like straight linear or no one that's healthy and happy has a straight linear line you know it's not like you you know wake up i mean i i guess no i can't think of anyone i was thinking of trying to pull in you know to memory someone that when they were seven years old knew they wanted to be a doctor or a vet or like whatever uh, a veterinarian i realized today in america when you say vet people think vet like veterans mm-hmm. not like veterinarian. i think veterinarian okay good yeah because <laughs> <laughs> like nobody wants to be a, a, a no veteran. one like is looking to be a vet i don't think <laughs> my my spouse is a vet like not a veterinarian a veteran and mm-hmm. we were watching the um british the the great british bake-off bake-off which yeah. i think you guys call bake-off here and one of them is a veterinarian veterinarian and we had this long debate i mean by log i mean like four minutes where she was like no rosie's the vet and i was like no she's not the vet whatever the other one is the blonde one's the vet and and we were talking across purposes it's like small insight into the banality of my life at home. so yeah i don't think anyone has like clarity about what they want to do or who they are and that it stays with them in this straight way until you know for, for their whole lives we're always pulled in different directions and we're you know pulled down one direction and then it changes and we're pulled into a different direction so life is always like that and should be like that and so the question is really like where do i find meaning today and how can i i mean how can i best most authentically show up as myself in this situation that's what i think we should be focusing on mm-hmm. and so once you've established a connection with your spirit guides what's the step two in like empowering and stepping into your power when where money is concerned so step two is boundaries mm-hmm. and and this is where i see the biggest shift for people so in the in the program that i run we have we spend the first month on connecting with guides and then the second month is entirely on boundaries and again you know it's one of those things that we're not taught how has anyone you know we has anyone ever taught us how to say no to something in an empowered way that doesn't make you feel like a piece of shit that doesn't you know fuck up someone else or there's this whole complex drama for women particularly around working out what it is that they want in order to say no to that which they don't and so we spend a month they spend a month teaching teaching how to work out first of all in any situation any dynamic any relationship what is it that you want what's not present that is missing or what is present that you don't want um and then how to establish and communicate and maintain boundaries that are flexible and healthy and good you know so this can be with your partner this can be with people on the streets this can be with firstly the first boundaries are with your spirit guide so that that is literally like okay this is the information i want to receive this Mm -hmm. is the information i don't like i never want to hear about someone dying How, how can how can that help anyone? Like, no. you know, even my first husband died, died of cancer and my guides did not tell me. They 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 told me, they gave me, um, I mean, they he was a terrible abusive piece of shit. So like, uh, <laughs> they were <laughs> They're like, don't worry, they were like, it's it'll fine. be over. <laughs> it'll be over sooner rather than later. They're like, just, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> this will resolve itself. This, this will sort itself out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Uh, but I think, you know, a really help, help, helpful rule that I have is I don't want to know anything that somebody can't change. And death is the classic example of that, you know. Um, so 
establishing boundaries with one's spirit guides is is actually really easy. You just need to work out what it is that you want and then tell them. And really, once you can do that, you can do that with everyone else. Mm -hmm. But the key to establishing boundaries is actually working out what it is that you want in a situation. It's harder than you might imagine because we're not we're not encouraged to ask that question really like what do you want not what do you think you should want what not what you think you should have or do or be but like what do you actually desire and you know that can take years to work out Mm -hmm. but you can also just sort of have an idea and and you know move forward in the world with that idea so yeah I'm pretty sure that I don't want to be woken up at 3 a.m mm-hmm. but I know some people that literally like that do work similar to mine that will wake up at 3 a.m and write down all the information that they've got that they get and then go back to sleep and then they live a normal life during their waking day so you know mm-hmm. it depends on how you wish to receive right and I imagine the more specific you can be about what you want, the better. Right, exactly. And this is the key to manifestation. So much of what is written and has been published about creating the life that you want, about manifestation, whether that's that's money or relationships or houses or cars or like whatever, misses this fundamental piece, which is about boundaries. If you don't have the ability to say no to what you don't want, then your energy is just scattered everywhere. You need to be able to focus it in, in such a laser lucid way to such a fine point that that's the only thing that can happen. Mm -hmm. And it's easier said than done, but it is absolutely possible. So boundaries are super important, not just because they radically improve the quality of your life. I mean, they radically improve the quality of your life. It's so great. Now I like relish the opportunity to say no to shit. Whereas before, you know, I would be like, I was speaking to a a client of mine who's also a good friend yesterday. And she was like talking about her husband saying, you know, he just has no problem saying no. He will, he will, somebody will ask him to do something and he'll be like no and I'll be like well you know I could do that maybe um it's just that you know I'm not really going to be in the country but I guess I could change my flights but you know Mm -hmm. you know like she just doesn't want to say yes either but there's this complex dance that we do and to try and accommodate to try and accommodate and to try and you know not make another person feel bad or not to reject other people you know it's like damn I it's so it's so liberating to lose that drama to not because really what that's about is you're projecting a lot of your shit on that other person, mm-hmm. right? So she's really worried that if she just says, no, thank you, which is the, the easiest thing in the world, um, that that other person will feel rejected or will feel like she was rude to her or that she feels like maybe she thinks because she's famous and rich that she's better than that other person. You know, like that's her stuff. That's mm-hmm. not this person who's asked her to do something stuff like you don't know what's going on for someone else. Yeah. And you really can only be responsible for, you know, just not engaging in that drama for you, for yourself. So just if it, do you want to do something or not, then, you know, if you don't just say, say no, I mean, I mean, I'm being very glib about it. We spend a month breaking this down, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, effectively, you know, if the, the power to say no is major, major. Yeah. And I also probably saying no to yourself if you're trying to do things. Cause I guess if you're focused on money in and stepping into your power and money around using these three steps, you also have to identify with your spirit guides, like what your shortcomings are oh, or where sure. you say no to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, I think it's almost like the way that they they present it to me is it's more about saying yes to what you want than no to what you don't. So mm-hmm. although I've just spent ages talking about the need to say no, when it comes to yourself, I think that one of the most powerful and positive things about having a relationship with your spirit guides is that they, with this connection to them you gain such a clarity about what you do really want and who you actually are and who you want to be in the world that you know what it is that you want to show up as to pull into your life to be and so you know it doesn't really in my long experience it's not so much that you have to deny yourself things Mm -hmm. it's more that you're like no i i don't want that i want this and so you put your attention and your energy and your focus on the thing that you do want then everything else just drops away anyway i mean the boundaries with the self are really important but i think that for for me they i mean i'm trying a, a good example i guess would be sobriety or like drinking like Um, I didn't, I don't drink, don't drink alcohol. I mean, uh, not, I never went through any sort of major alcoholic sort of process or recovery process or anything like that. I just got to a point where I realized I really don't enjoy this. This is not fun for me at all. Like, in fact, it's making me feel like shit. Um, you know, I can, like we all have, I think can remember, events or situations or like parties where like oh fuck what did I say this is so embarrassing and there was just a a collection of instances like that and I was like I think I'm just not going to do that anymore now for me that was a really classic example it wasn't that I was saying no to myself around alcohol it was more that who did the clarity of who I wanted to be in the world was Mm -hmm. really strong and that pic that picture that image that person was not someone that like was a sloppy drunk yeah so i'm n- not you know a, a, i don't drink mm-hmm. if the, if, do you see what i mean no i see what you mean for sure where it's just like you're more you're saying yes to how you want to feel yeah versus like no drink like kind of a slapping yourself on the wrist i mean like no i mean i don't say no to myself i don't say no to anything i mean even with alcohol like you know if if i I mean, it's different for everyone. And my God, I'm so, I have so many friends that are like properly in, in, um, recovery. They would describe themselves as in recovery or are recovering alcoholics. I have a lot of clients that are sober. Um, so it is totally different for everyone. But for, for me, I, it's like a daily decision. I just don't drink. I don't want to drink, but you know, there's, if, I mean, I probably on Christmas day, if there's a really nice, bottle of red wine maybe i'll have a glass of red wine like mm-hmm. even then it's it's like yeah i don't i'll eat anything that i want even though i have you know whole sort all sorts of chronic illnesses which means that i really shouldn't be eating a whole bunch of stuff but i don't know i think maybe i'm just stubborn i don't want to say no to myself so i mean <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the yes come from a place of yes and positivity yes exactly yeah. like I would so much rather my my maybe this is the way of like manipulating my own stubborn like nurse is is to say no we're not saying no we're saying yes we're mm-hmm. saying yes to what you want and you don't want to be bloated for this flight you don't want to have terrible skin so we're not gonna have you know that wheat or whatever yeah that's like I I really relate to that because I'm the same way. As soon as I'm told no about something that mostly it's just like something I want, like bratty want, uh-huh. I 
then it's like I want it more and I'm going to have it and going to even go like above and beyond the call of duty to just prove that like I can't be tamed. Oh, a hundred percent. And so when I start looking at it, like I would like this or that, and this is how I get to that. It changes. It's not activating that part of me that really wants to be rebellious and Uh like show that, no one can tell me what to do, including yeah. me. I think that's exactly, I, I totally identify with that completely. Like I will say to my, I'll be like, you can have anything you want, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it turns out that it's not really very many things that I really want that much. Yeah. Or like listening to like your body and being like, what do I really feel like I want to eat right now? Right. And I would say about 75% of the time it will come back and be something that's like a healthier option than like a cheeseburger or Mm -hmm. something. Although I had such a good cheeseburger last night. Yeah. I mean, I had a cheeseburger yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's step three of the process. Can you describe what that is? So step three is really the manifestation, I guess. So, so the intentional pulling together, if, if the first month is focused on getting clarity about who you are because you've got connection to your guides and what it is that you really want. And the second month is establishing really clear boundaries. So you're able to say no to everything else. Then the third process, the third month is pulling this all together and practicing drawing to you, pulling in. Oh, it's more like, you know, that I think a healthier or, or more helpful way of visualizing it is with manifestation, it's not, and this is the case for money, it's the case for everything. It's not that you're clearing, it's not that you're you're pulling stuff in that wasn't available to you before. It's that you're clearing the path to the the energy, the people, the opportunities, the money that was always present. It's just these various beliefs that we have. And I really think, you know, beliefs are the key to everything you know if you if you really truly believe that you are not entitled to money you will never be entitled to money if you truly believe that for example that rich people are bad this mm-hmm. is something that so much i come across so much um and particularly if you if one has any sort of left-leaning politics and this is and uh, you know very very common that you know it's bad to be rich it's bad mm-hmm. to be rich if you have that as a belief then you will never be rich right? Because you don't want to be a bad person. And that desire to not be a bad person will totally overtake a desire to be rich. Mm -hmm. And so a manifestation is ultimately about clearing any sort of self-imposed or culturally imposed or a combination blocks to that which is already present. I mean, everything is already present. Everything in the universe exists already and is available to us. We just can only see and believe and accept certain things. And so to manifest what you want and what you need, you have to be able to really see it as possible for you to have that and do that or meet that person or whatever. So envisioning yourself having what you want is like a key part of manifestation. Yeah, for sure. I I think it's a combination. You need to be able to, I mean, some people are not visual at all, right? So you can just feel that you, that it's possible. You can go through all the emotions of feeling what that would, will be like when that thing happens. Um, but, but believing it as a possibility is the first, is the first sort of step of that. But to know that it's going to happen is really the goal. And you can do that either visually or you can do that in combination with, you know, like a, a meditation there. When you get to that point where you've, 
got that strong connection with your guides and you have the clarity of how to set boundaries and what you don't want and you know what you do want, it actually is really, really so easy to imagine almost anything like you can you can step into this is a nice way of putting it any universe imaginable um and it becomes like play like okay what do I want to manifest today who do I want to connect with what do I want to do like like anything like even I do it for I mean I do it every week where I will have a dedicated time where I'll sit down and envisage what I want for the next week for the next month for the next year for the next 10 years okay Um, That's outside of your like standard check-ins. Yes. Okay. Separate. I mean, yeah. Um, And it becomes so, it becomes like play. It becomes like fun. So a really, another really a great practice that I, that I teach, which I think everyone can benefit from. That's fun to give a a sort of taste of what that would feel like is like a, a future, a future self meditation. Now, you might have come across something like this before or what sounds like it might be like this, which is where you imagine, okay, project yourself in five years. What are you wearing? Where, where are you? What are you doing? But this mm-hmm. is, this is different. This is like, you want to project yourself in five years in the, in when you are the most joyful, successful, best possible outcome version of yourself. And you as yourself right now go and meet yourself in five years so you're both present at the same time oh i love like sit down have a meal sit down and have a chat Mm -hmm. and what you do is you take note what are you wearing where are you living what's your couch like um you know how much money do you have you can ask your future self what do i need to know in order to get here what is it that i need to know to get here what happened what did I do what did I not do and she'll tell you damn I'm like actually like envisioning this like I'm pinging right yeah, now it's over this. so powerful this is one of the meditations that I my my guides gave me and it's like this key thing that I do with everyone that I everyone that's a student of mine and I I suggest you you know do it every two or three months mm-hmm. because what you'll notice is I mean, it's kind of like the the sliding doors thing, right? Like there are always at any moment infinite possibilities. You make one slight different choice and it might feel tiny, but in five years time, that difference between making that choice or not is huge, right? Mm -hmm. And so as you go through this work and you start being more conscious of what you're creating and manifesting and much more conscious about where you're putting your energy, i.e. saying no to stuff you don't want to do and yes to the things you do want, then the 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 five years ahead, Lara, so the Lara in five years is going to get stronger and better and richer and clearer and even more joyful. And so when you do it in now, you know, visualize the strongest, most imaginable, possible, most positive, most joyful person that you could imagine version of yourself. Well, it'll be even better in three months time if you keep doing this work and even better. And then in five years time, you know, where, 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 where is when you are that person, she's going to be able to imagine a version of herself even stronger and better than, you know, you're yeah. able to imagine. Mm-hmm. I now. love that. That's like unlocking 
future dimensions. Yes, I mean, it really is, though. Like, I really, truly believe that the, that we live in infinite universes. I don't think there's one universe. I think time is this construct and that we are just constantly stepping into a different universe, like constantly. So there's a universe where my hand is here and when I, you know, and then there's another where it's here and another where it's here, right? Mm-hmm. And And so we just, it's our capacity to understand that prevents us from being able to be like, from one second to the next, poor to rich, for example. Mm -hmm. And so it takes time for our consciousness to sort of spread into and grow into the possibility like, okay, yeah, maybe it's possible for me to earn a hundred thousand this year. And then when you've earned a hundred thousand that year, then you're like, oh, maybe it's possible for me to earn three. Do you see what I mean? It's like the belief that it's possible is what makes it possible. I mean, this is the theory of under all magic and energy work, by the way, is that you need to believe that it's going to happen for it to happen. Yeah. Which is kind of ironic and, and, and also really, really difficult when you're first starting out because you're like, I don't fucking know if this is going to work. I don't believe it's going to work. And so progress is slow. Mm-hmm. But then when you start getting progress in magical work, it's, it's like, wow, suddenly major shifts forward. And I think a lot of people have had an experience where you just knew that something was going to happen and you didn't question it. And it was like, you didn't accept other people questioning it. And then it did happen. Absolutely. And I know, I mean, I've had that in my, like at certain points in my career and it was like, okay, how do like, even though a a lot of great things happened, a lot of bad things happened. So it's like, how do you access that kind of magical belief system over and over after? Like, how do you not let your life experience kind of knock down your ability to tap into that like magical belief process? Such a good question. And, and particularly because those of us that are trauma survivors, I like everyone that's not a man, but some greater just to greater or lesser extent will have this problem like it's the major major obstacle is that everything including our lived experience is telling us that you know we're not really going to be financially secure we're not really going to be in a safe relationship we're never going to actually have any sense of you know autonomy i think that you know on a very basic level it is about perseverance and rejection of that narrative Mm -hmm. being aware of that narrative when it comes up is the first part of it so being able to identify and anyone that's had any sort of psychotherapy will you know like this is all what what therapy is based on why it's so valuable i couldn't live without my therapist um is that it it becomes so important to be able to identify those narratives as narratives that are running so that you can say, okay, I know why I don't believe it's possible because I've experienced X, Y, Z in the past, but I'm not going to give energy to that. I'm going to choose to believe this. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning, it is really about choice and it's hard. It's really, really difficult. Like it's not the case that it's straightforward or easy, but it gets easier. Like Mm -hmm. you say, you know, it's sort of when you went, the more you have experiences where you have just known that something's going to happen and you've rejected any op- other possibility, you know, if you say no to everything other than that thing, then that's got, you know, the, the only thing that could happen is that thing. Yeah. And I think it's the same, you know, being able to identify the beliefs that you're holding and rationally, logically identify why they are there and say this is not truth this is just an experience that i had it does not dictate the future because the the past and the future are totally disconnected actually like they really are there's not i don't 
believe for one second that it, time is linear or that time exists or that the universe is linear and, and this cause and effect is this sort of thing that goes on i mean it seems i mean i know that it doesn't work like that yeah you know um I've had so many experiences that, that evidence it. So I, th I think that's how you do it. It's, you, it's, it's difficult, but you've just got to be like, no, I'm not, I'm not choosing to believe that. I'm choosing to believe this. And the choice to believe something sounds really contraintuitive, right? Like how can you choose to believe something? But you, you have to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you are choosing to believe something every day that you wake up. Right. Like, and are a part of the world. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being my guest today. It was a pleasure. Um, we kind of ran a little long, so we're going to save any reader mail for the bonus episode. But um, tell everyone where they can find you. So my website is drkatethomas.com. And I'm on Instagram. Instagram is where I post everything really mm -hmm. or mo that's my most um frequented social media and that is um kate thomas phd and that's t-o-m-a-s yes t-o-m-a-s which is the bane of my life because everyone always misspells it and mispronounces it but yeah how can you mispronounce that it feels very oh my god you yeah yeah well <laughs> not everyone is a genius <laughs> um and you are very you can get readings through your site or access readings and you have you offer all different kinds right i have um two different well i have three different types of readings um in-depth readings which are like 45 minutes where we cover like everything that your guides want you to know so mm -hmm. it's like intense um, and then single question reading. So if you just have one question and you just want as much information as I can get in 15 minutes on that thing, that's a really um, good value way of, of getting a reading. Um, and then I do business readings for like large corporations or small businesses or anyone, anyone. I'll, I'll read for anyone. They pay me. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Um, if you want to get access to bonus episodes, you can do that by visiting patreon.com slash babe podcast. And yeah, with that, we'll bid you farewell and see you in the bonus. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.